Hello, and welcome to the Addicts Anonymous podcast. I'm your host, Jamar. Today's episode 133, and we're going to be interviewing Mark and Sean. So today's a little bit of a different setup for us. We're going to be doing two people at once. How are you guys doing this morning? Oh, doing great, Jim. Great, Jim. Good to be here. Glad to hear that. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about, more about your podcast, but look at you guys. You're all dressed up, ready to go in your <laughs> podcast info and uniforms. It's so it's a filming day for us, and yeah, so we're, we're anyway. we get done with this, we're going to be camera ready. We're camera right. ready. All right, perfect. So let's get started with one of you. Tell me, you guys decide who. Tell us about your childhood and growing up. Let's talk about that first. Well, um, we we have very different childhoods. We grew up very differently. I'll go ahead and give it a quick start here. Uh, I grew up in a uh, um, fairly middle class, lower middle class home. Um, I had a mom that was a stay-at-home mom. I had a dad that was a, uh, he was an electrician, a union electrician. And, and so we, we, we had enough, we had a living. We didn't ever do without, but we didn't always have what we wanted, but we always had what we needed, I guess you could say. I didn't grow up with alcoholic or drug addict parents. Uh, I didn't, uh, I didn't grow up around a lot of that. They kind of sheltered me from a lot of that. Um, but I will say that from a very, Real quick, Young when age. you say shelter, when you say shelter, did they drink a little bit and they kept you sheltered from that, or they just did nothing? No, no, no. No. no, they, they. I mean, my dad, my dad's the kind of guy that still to this day he could buy a six pack of beer, and it'd take him two three months to drink it. Okay, so he, he drinks a beer when he cuts the grass, maybe or something. That's gotcha. about it. Gotcha. Um, they they didn't shelter me from it altogether, but there was some some folks who abused in my family, some who abused alcohol, possibly drugs, all that. They kept me away from that side of things, I guess is what I mean by sheltered. Um, they didn't go to bars. They didn't, they didn't uh, do any of that kind of stuff. I wasn't a tag along at the bar while they were drinking. Um, a lot of the stories that I've heard, you know, in, in and around the rooms uh, uh, of recovery, but they were, they weren't, they were strict, but not super strict. Um, they, it was, for me, it was a very normal, normal upbringing, but I, you know, everybody's normal because that's just what you're used to. So, mm -hmm. um, it was, uh, I didn't have, I, I don't, I don't have a lot to look back on that, that I'm, uh, that I would say drove me from them that I would say drove me to drink. Uh, I can say that very early on I had low self-esteem, um, and early, early in life, I learned, uh, I learned to lie. I guess that was like a telltale sign. Was there a uh, root cause that you ever figured out to you having those issues? I, I, I think it's part of me. I, 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 I don't know. There's a root cause. I can go back and look at, at, at some issues like, um, you know, parental issues, issues with, with other I don't, I don't believe it was any like severe trauma. I believe it was just kind of a, how I grew up. Um, you know, I grew up with a badass dad. He was the kind of guy that didn't take no crap off anybody. And I wanted to be a badass guy like my dad was. And I didn't ever feel like that. So I kind of overcompensated uh, trying to be some, some badass that I don't think I ever really was. But I, I tried to be that. And, you know, as I grew up, I was very, a very nice kid. 
up through like grade school. And then once I got to middle school, I, um, I started getting bigger than other people. I'm a pretty big guy, six foot three, 280 pounds. I mean, even back then I was six foot three and or, or high school, I was six, three and 240 pounds. I was always a big guy. And, uh, once I realized that I was bigger than everybody else, I didn't let pick, people pick on me so much. So I kind of retaliated in the other direction, but, uh, you know, that it's funny you ask about a root cause. I haven't ever come to a conclusion about a single root cause. I think it was, it was partly just me and who I am. Uh, and it, it was probably also some of the way that I was raised, but I mean, I have two brothers who don't seem to be like I am. So, and I, and I feel like they were probably raised in pretty much the same way that I was. So, there's not a single event, a single trauma that I can kind of go back to and look at. I think it's just kind of the way that I was raised and the way that I am kind of come together to, to form the person that I wound up being. And, uh, you know, like I said, I started lying at a very early age. Uh, I started cussing at an early age. I would hide all of this from the adults in my life. So I wanted the adults in my life to think I was awesome, but all of that led up to, uh, I didn't start drinking and drugging, you know, growing up when I did um, in school, when, when Reagan and Nancy Reagan were around, uh, it was this just say no era uh, way back when. So I grew up in that just say no era and I was a pretty firm believer in just say no, I didn't do any drugs until I got in well into my twenties. But I did drink some, I, I toyed with drinking whenever I was, whenever I was young and, uh, I can say this, I don't think I ever, still to this day, have ever drank for the enjoyment or the taste. I drank from the first time I got, I got tipsy, I always wanted to be tipsy or drunk. I, I, I never once went out just to have a beer with friends. If I started to drink, I wanted to go all the way with it. And I, that's kind of part of my personality as well. I'm an, I'm an all or nothing kind of guy. If I'm going to do it, I want to go hardcore. Mm-hmm. I want to go all the way. Go, uh, go, baby. And go big or go home. Yeah. <laughs> so with that being said, I, that was that was kind of my childhood. And and that was all in me from a very early age. Uh, if you're going to start, just go ahead and do it hardcore all the way. So that was that was kind of my childhood. I don't know. You want to speak to yours a little bit more? You know, I was thinking about that thing. You talk about being in a meeting and you, people, you say something. People, yeah, I know that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was saying something. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, my, my upbringing was definitely different. Um, I grew up with parents that loved me. Um, but somewhere along the way, and again, I've been able to do a lot of self-work, so I know some of my root cause. Uh, and my drug of choice was food. It was my comfort. It's what I put in my mouth. Uh, you know, it, my crisis point is when I was pushing 400 pounds uh, and, and doing that. But how did I get there? Uh, you know, we we grew up, my dad was in the Navy. I lived pretty much everywhere up the east coast i I always tell the story i changed schools three times in the second grade so i never had a sense of rooting or grounding but i found comfort in stuffing my face you know if i felt alone i ate if i was sad i ate if i was happy i ate uh combine that with that uh, good teaching clean your plate being a completionist being all or nothing he just said it (laughs) that's what i was laughing at yeah that's it if i you know if i was going to eat i was going to eat um and yeah, somebody once asked me, well, if I remember my first addiction, first words out of my mouth, cookies. 
Uh, you know, because when I was younger, my parents were divorced. And when I got home from school, I was alone. And I remember, you know, how chips are always coming to sleeve. Yeah. yeah. I would eat a whole sleeve and I'd be like, I feel better. I get a sugar high. Uh, you so have to what's going to happen if I eat more? And then what will happen if I eat more after that? And I just started uh, spiraling out of control and eating too much stuff. Oh, absolutely. I, I saw some memes about that. And it had a couple of uh, rows of cookies, and it said, "Hey, you want to do a line?" <laughs> Absolutely, I, re- I totally re- I totally relate to that. That's the funny thing. But when Sean said, "You know that all or nothing, I'm all in or all out personality," definitely my hallmark. You know, if I'm a game, I like playing games. And as a gamer, I'm a completionist, and so if I don't get it all done every little bit, it drives me crazy. So that's a part of that personality. But somewhere along the lot way. I started believing a couple of lies about myself that really fed into those insecurities. Nobody wanted to be around me. I wasn't never going to be enough. If people knew who I was, they'd reject me. And so instead of uh, trying to connect, trying to do that, I was a very isolated person. And again, I found my comfort in my drug of choice, which was just food. Now, it was socially acceptable. It was the only thing that I could have got away with in my community growing up, grew up very religious. Uh, there wasn't, you know, I wasn't going to be using drugs. I was going to be using alcohol. Again, we're a year apart. So yes, I grew up in the just say no era. Yeah. Uh, and again, the things that I knew I was heading towards in life, service to others, that was kind of ingrained early, but I was still always struggling with this. So no matter when I would have, no matter where I was, whether it's growing up years, high school, young adult years, uh, I never felt like I was enough. And so when I didn't feel that way, I wanted to feel comfort. And that's kind of what I did uh, for years. So. Is there a point that either of you realized when you were young that you've had an addiction issue? That's a great question. For me, uh, no. Uh, I I don't think I ever considered it addiction. I knew that if I drank, I, I, um, I didn't, I didn't drink until, until I felt good. I drank into completion, (laughs) you know, which was pass out get so drunk I couldn't walk whatever and and early on in my drinking career I didn't drink all the time I didn't drink every day I drank a few times a year you know as a teenager you know at big parties or whatever I would drink but then then moving on up uh, I I got married and had kids really young and uh, I didn't know um, I was 20 when my son was born my oldest son was born so um you know, it, it was, uh, I was working in a bar at the time. Um, so there was alcohol around, but it was kind of preached into us as people who worked at the bar, not to drink, not, not to get real drunk. You know, you, you didn't want to be impaired while you were, while you were working in a bar. So, um, you know, I did some construction and stuff like that during the day. And then I worked at a bar at night, but funny enough, when I was working at the bar during that, those early years, I didn't drink that much. Um, but then um, split up with my wife at 25. And uh, that was kind of where it all went downhill. I got, um, I started getting kind of depressed and, and I started going out with my friends like pretty much every night. I think there was a, there was a time I had broken up with my wife and uh, we were in the process of getting a divorce and my best friend back then had broken up with his longtime girlfriend and I want to say we went out drinking like 68 nights in a row. 
at one point. I think that was as, as high as we got it to. And uh, I mean, we went out to a bar, which quite honestly, thinking back on it, that probably wasn't that big a deal later on in my drinking life. Cause I went to the bar every day after work. So, um, I'd go have a few drinks, whatever, then go to the house and finish myself off with a, a bottle of liquor. But, uh, that being said, I, you know, I, I had that, um, early on, I, I didn't do drugs. I drank, but somewhere around 28, um, I had friends of mine that I hung out with and we were a very rock and roll crew of guys, uh, leather pants, you know, leather jackets, um, out at the bar, out at dive bars and, and things like that. And we all drank heavy and a lot of them partied with, with heavier drugs. And I had never done any, and they were all cool with that. I, I mean, I was around them when they did it. I just didn't do it. And then something clicked one night and I was like, yeah, let me try one of those lines. Then they never asked me. I never felt any peer pressure to do it with them. I don't know what happened. I just one night I, I told them to chop me a line too. And I did it. And probably within two months, three months of doing that first uh, bit of cocaine, I was selling it to support my habit. So all in very fast. I was about to say, it's uh, safe to say that you enjoyed it. I did. I did. And sitting here, I'm, I'm this Sunday, I'll be nine years sober. Clean oh, sober. congrats. That's amazing. So um, being almost nine years clean and sober, I can still sit here and tell you today that if I think about the way cocaine makes me feel, it doesn't make me want to go do it or anything else, but there's something in me that kind of goes, you can almost like smell it or taste it or something. I'm like, oh, yeah, that, that stuff makes you feel really good. So, yeah, I really liked it a lot. It was, I loved alcohol. And I, and I, I say this all the time. When I first got to rehab, I, um, I went to rehab thinking I had a cocaine problem. And I did. But the truth was, kind of after doing some, some self-work and, and getting to know myself a little better, the truth was I don't ever really remember waking up and just dying to have some cocaine. I was dying to have a drink. And then about two or three drinks in, uh, then I wanted some cocaine. So uh, the cocaine is, is what seemed like a bigger problem to me because it took all my money. You can, I can drink at home a whole lot cheaper than I can do cocaine at home. So uh, you know, I, I had already kind of become a, the kind of drinker who just sat at home and drank by myself all the time. So I was spending a lot of money um, doing drugs. So it seemed like a bigger problem. Um, I think in the end, alcohol was probably my bigger problem. Um, I think, uh, quite honestly, all drugs, any mind-altering substances are my problem because I did them all. Uh, if If what I loved and was around and available, that's what I did. If that wasn't available and somebody had something else, I'd try that too. Uh, I, I didn't, I tried it all at some point or another, but you know, some friends, my, my buddies and I, we used to sit around in the bar and talk about kind of the question you asked about whether or not we thought we were addicted. We used to sit around and laugh. Oh yeah, we're alcoholics. 
we're going to be those alcoholics. We're going to be this because, you know, as a dive bar, there'd be 60, 70 year old guys coming in and drinking, sit there all day long, sipping on their beers. They're like, that's going to be us one day. We're going to be those guys sitting in the bar when we're 60. Yeah. You know, it sounded kind of romantic. I thought it was going to be fun. I, I don't want to do that now. That's, that's not the life I lead. Exactly. And, um, but yeah, I mean, we kind of made fun of it. So I guess in some ways I never honestly thought that I had a problem until I, until it got so bad, I couldn't deny it. Right. But uh, in some way in my mind, it, the seed was there. I just wasn't really, really ready to grapple with it. I guess you could say. What do you, what do you think about that? How, how often or, or how long was it before you felt like you had a problem? Well, uh, straight up till I was 50. Well, and, 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 and I'll say that, and, and, and there's some irony in that one, because, you know, I said, I knew growing up that I was called to a life of service. Uh, you know, at one point I thought that was being in Christian ministry. So I went through Bible college, was a pastor for a number of years, went to Christian counseling, was able to help people with their stuff. Quick question, because I've always been, I've always wanted to ask somebody, what is Bible college like? Like, how is that? I mean, I think it would be interesting. I'm not religious myself, but I do, I do think religion is pretty cool. And I would love to, you know, I would just, I've always been interested. What's it like to go to Bible college? Boy, if I, if I put 10 Bible college graduates in this room and ask them that question, they'd all have a different answer. Yeah. You know, it's, 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 the, it's probably the only place on the planet where you get the most straight-laced people and the most messed up people together in the same room. <laughs> and, you know, and I'm smiling as I say that, but anybody who's been to Bible college will go, yeah, uh-huh. You know, because people, you know, because sometimes, to be honest with you, people with problems will sometimes use Bible college as a place to get straight, get right, no matter what your problem is in that situation. Uh, it doesn't always work, you know, uh, everything that they tell you not to do is happening on the college campuses. There, people are drinking, people are sexing, people are drugging, but for the most part, there are people there with sincere hearts like we have now just wanting to help their fellow man, you know, and it's the path that they've chosen to take. And that's kind of what led me there from that situation. Um, ultimately I didn't stay in that profession because I just, it didn't work for me. For a lot of reasons that we that's a whole other podcast to talk about <laughs> but but we went from that i would say work in a room with people to my wife and i being trained in counseling and helping individuals and couples and everything else and that brought us a lot of joy we did that for a number of years uh but still in all of that going back to where i was struggling i never felt like it was enough i mean i could help people find freedom i could help people deal with the underlying causes of their addiction but the whole time I'm sitting there just spinning, you know, and, uh, you know, I would try to bare knuckle it. I, I, when I finally sought professional help for weight, I made the joke to the doctor. I said, you know, this is, have you lost weight before? I said, yes, I've lost 600 pounds. His mouth drops open and said, Hey, don't be impressed. It's the same 30 pounds, 20 times. I know how to do that. I'm really good at that. You know, I mean, talk about how many people go to a program and they can make it to 30 days, 60 days, right. 120 days. And they repeat that cycle. Yeah. The issue is, is I never dealt with the underlying problem. And so, as I start going through a process, getting some surgical help for weight loss, we have to start getting psychological help at the same time. And it was in that process that it was like the light bulb came on and says, dude, you're addicted. And I went, oh, crap. And, but then for me, because I, I was already steeped in m- modalities, I went, oh, I have to do inner work. Oh, <laughs> and I started laughing at myself. And immediately started on a journey and immediately started looking at all the literature for people coming out of uh, my same background and saying, you know, we were talking about this before we started filming. 
uh, warning you, warning people that, uh, you know, you can trade addictions, you know, and, yep. and it's a common situation. And so it's realized, oh, wait a minute, if I have a propensity to switch from food to alcohol or food to, to drugs or food to sex or whatever in that situation, there's an underlying cause I need to deal with that. And so for me, it was, I don't want to say late in the game, but it was finally connecting the dots of everything that I had done professionally for years going, I kind of got to live this, you know, and that's kind of, it's funny to say, but that's kind of where that light bulb went on. And it was not soon after, long after that, that we met uh, at, at our a local chance meeting. A chance meeting at our local cigar shop. And that's a whole nother story, but right. <laughs> you know, why were you doing it at a cigar shop? Well, I needed to find something different to put in my mouth. <laughs> that was all it was. I, did, I needed to, joking aside, change addictions. And I figured that was probably the, <clears throat> that's the one I wanted to go to. I'll just be honest with you in that situation. But I had smoked cigars in the past. That was a pleasure. It was a time for me to center myself. And I do run into him and it almost reminds me, you know, a, a pastor and a drunk walk into a cigar bar, right. you know, yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and two years later, we're sitting here at a studio going, talking about our experiences. And it's like, uh, you ever feel like the odd couple, right? you know, and, and this is kind of where we're at, but that's kind of my story. And and I, a guy whose, whose adult life is filled with ministry and helping people. And a guy whose adult life is filled with doing a lot of drugs and wearing a lot of leather jackets and uh, getting in a lot of fights and snorting a lot of cocaine. So yeah, we're kind of the odd couple, but it works. I mean, we're we're both on our own path of searching for what makes us better people. And I found something to help me. I think he's found something that's helped him. And I just feel compelled to try to share yep. what, I, what I've learned and what I know and what helped me. And I know it, everyone's not going to relate with me, but that's why you're telling your story, Jim. Yep. And that's why he's telling his story. And we all need to come out and tell our stories yep. because there's people out there that need to hear what we have to say so that they can relate to it. And hopefully it gives them some hope that they can, they can do what they need to do to get themselves well. Yeah, great. That, and I would say this stuff like people like doing, people are doing what you guys, what you're doing. People are doing what we're doing. And there's a lot of groups that sprung up right. in COVID because we had to survive. We had to figure out how to connect because yeah. we need the fellowship. I mean, I mean, yeah. we, we can't do this alone. We, anybody who thinks you can, no, don't try. It's just not worth it. You, maybe well, you it's, could, it, but it's not as good. It's just not as good to do it alone. It's, it's for me, it's better yeah. to have a tribe of like-minded folks that, Oh, yeah. kind of share and commiserate yeah. and talk. I came out of rehab in March of 2020. I only went there eight days because I was afraid of being stuck there with quarantine. I didn't know how it was going to work. Yeah. Right. So I was forced to do it on my own. There were no support groups. Zoom was new. So a lot of people, when you hop in a meeting, there were like 40 people on there and you were not getting a chance to talk. If you got a chance to talk, it was for one or two minutes. Right. Right. And it's like, what are you going to do with that? It was terrible. So I kind of, that's how I developed the program was what I did. But the second I was able to start a community, life got easier. Like you said, exactly. it is so much easier with people around you. Let me tell you, it, it is so important. I don't suggest anyone do it the way I did. I was put in circumstances where I had no choice. Right. Absolutely. That's Absolutely. a little different. That's amazing. We, we just put an episode together and we talked about the village life of recovery and how it takes this group of people. We need those elder statesmen that can say, hey, try it this way. You know, well, the, I, I was talking about it in the one, like you were saying that, that you know, you, I'm sitting there and there's, there's three kinds of folks that I can relate to. I can relate to 
the person who's got more time than me doing what I'm doing. And man, that's what I want. I can also relate to the person who's got less time than me. And man, I think maybe I can help them. And I know I don't want to go back to that point. So that helped me. And then there's the people who are on the same level as me that we can kind of commiserate. Go, Oh yeah, I'm having this. Oh yeah, I'm having this problem too. And let's figure out what the heck we're going to do about this problem. Yep. So it's, um, it's, it's really kind of an amazing way of life. Um, you know, I love this conversation that we're, the three of us are having right now. I don't know about you, but I never had these really deep conversations about the way I felt. I had conversations about the ball game and the weather and, and um, politics and, but not stuff that was directly related to me and my inner feelings and how I worked. I never talked to anybody about that. Well, our generation, we were raised, you're a man. You That's don't right. talk about that stuff. You push it way down. Push it down. Let it settle keep there. on going. Oh, yeah. And, and keep on going. And then every now and right. then it'll burst out, but you put it right back down. Right. And we were just <laughs> we expecting no it's crying, going to burst out. Yeah. No crying, no talking about your feelings. That's, right. That's for girls. No, no, exactly. And the same thing in church circles. How are you doing, brother? I'm great. Praise God. I mean, it doesn't matter if your life is falling apart. It doesn't matter if you had an argument with your spouse on the way to church. You're fine once you get out. That's right. So dry your tears up. Get you know. Life's awesome. Yeah, man. Bless you, brother. We're going to keep on. I mean, it's the same thing. You walk into the bar. How's it going? Oh hell, I had a bad day at work. Oh, you need a drink. Yep. And then that was it. That's the extent of what's going on with you. You know. Yeah. And and so I probably started get pushing past. I would say the BS level of interpersonal communications when my time working for a church ended and it wasn't a happy time it was it it was a little bit traumatic and my wife showed me this example of telling people no that's pretty shitty right now I don't feel good I'm pissed off and and, and of course to me I'm going you can't say that but it taught me a lesson that you know the world didn't come to an end with her being real and it's like maybe I need to start adapting it so again it's and from there we went into counseling and then we started seeing this example of people this shift starting to happen, the generation younger than us owning up to the fact that, Hey, I messed up. It's okay. I want to get help. And I was going to bring this point up earlier, stuff like what you're doing, what we're doing, what other groups are doing. We're removing the stigma of addiction. We're removing the shame. We're removing, you know, we, we all still use this word anonymous, but people are coming out of the closet being open about the fact that I'm not okay. And that's okay. And I'm, but I'm working on me. And I think that's probably been the biggest change we've seen in the last five to 10 years. We're we're moving towards, and it's still not, we're not there yet. There's a lot of work to do in society, but we're moving towards, it's okay to be you. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and I think that's, I think that part is a great way to put it. Yeah. And I think that, that shift and that change in society is changing a lot of the traditions. You know, I'm sure you get it. We get it pushed back when we put out an episode, we get people saying, you don't know, you don't know this, you know, like, wait a minute, time out. At some point you got, you, you got introduced to the truth. We're just, inter- we're just folks like you folks like us. We're just sharing these timeless truths in a new medium in a new format because people are receiving information in a different way. Right. You know, you, you people say to me, they're like, your show's obviously not anonymous. It's like, all I'm doing is basically giving you a platform to, it's like a speaker meeting, except exactly. it's able to reach more people because Guess what? Anybody can walk into a meeting. Meetings are open, so you don't have to be an alcoholic or an addict. Like I said, 90% of the meetings are open. So right there, when you're speaking in front of anyone, you're no longer anonymous because 
someone might recognize your face, just like on YouTube, someone might recognize your face. Yeah, well, same difference. There, there, there's this saying I've been, I've seen going around a lot lately, and I love it. It's I recover out loud so that others don't suffer and die. I knew you were going to say that. I I love love that. that Um, Someone just posted it the other day. Yeah. Yeah, And and again, the the road we're taking is not for everybody, but as we start getting secure, as we start getting clean, as we start knowing our purpose in life, it's incumbent upon us to, to follow through with it. Yeah. You know, again, I'm sitting here today, not stroking out, (laughs) not using a walker, all this other stuff, because, I reached out and asked for help and just like everybody who's been successful in any program, I plugged myself in the program, you know, I told you I was a completionist and I, you know, and they told me, well, you can probably get down to 250 pounds. And my initial response was F that man, <laughs> I'm going, I'm going for it. I'm going to lose half my weight. I haven't quite done it, but I'm okay with that. But I did do what I told you 175. And so, you know, I got down to 215 and it's like, people go, so that's 185. See, I'm not doing math. All that to say is, but I had to change my life. I had to, to, to come into this new understanding of what food was. And again, I had an addiction that I couldn't go cold turkey and quit because right. <laughs> I got to eat every day. I hate right. to say that's this. The one thing I say to people, like I say, that's why I give food addicts a lot of respect. Is like you said, not to be redundant. You have to eat. There's you no two ways it. about it. There's, there's but no happiness. But I had to learn what food was. And food isn't a comfort. It's just it's nutrition. And I had to change this. And again, probably the biggest thing, some of the things that we're coming up with uh, out with in the next six months is we're going to be talking about those mindset shifts. I mean, uh, you know, the A Big Book even talks about the fact that this is primarily a disease of the mind. Well, it is. It is. And you got to start here. Uh, I think one of the things that we've seen, we were talking about this yesterday, is like the, the, the drop-off point for certain people uh, who aren't doing the inside work for lack of a better word, right. you know, you can bare knuckle it for a while, but there's a point at which that if the inside's not lining up with the outside actions, if your belief systems aren't lined up, you're going to fall off the wagon because I call it the BS meter is going to go off in your head. You're going to say, I'm just going to bare knuckle it. And you're going to hear the voice saying, that's just crap. And well, at some point you're going to fall for it. Well, at some point I, I can't speak for everybody, but I know my head will justify anything. Mm. And oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, if you're happy, do it. If you're sad, do it. If it's just a normal day, do it. Right. I mean, I, I was, you know, it, it's really no different than kind of like I was talking about walking into the bar. You walk into the bar, you had a bad day. Oh, you need a drink. Oh, I had a great day. Oh, you need a drink. I had a mediocre day. You need a drink. Well, it's it's that same. Yeah. It doesn't matter what the reasoning is because the 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 ends don't justify the means. Did I say that right? Yes. Whatever. So anyway, the, the, I'm not trying to get back to a mind altering substance. I'm trying to live my life every day in a way that it feels good. Sometimes it hurts. Sometimes I have grief. Sometimes I have sadness, but I try to live my life in a way that it feels good to know that I have tools to deal with that. I don't have to cover it up. I don't have to go crawl into a bottle or a baggie. I can, I can deal with life on life's terms and be okay. And and it's not, for me, it's not about, it's not about life as awesome and amazing. And and, and I talk about this um, a lot. It's when I was out living that life, you know, running and gunning and, and 
drugging and drinking and everything else and well, drinking is a drug, whatever. But, um, but life was always a roller coaster. I was either high up top, everything was awesome, or I was super low. And, and I, I never lived my life just kind of okay, where everything was going to be all right. I, the good was really only this good, but I built it up to being this good in my mind. And the lows were really only this low, but I built them down to being this low. It felt like it was the worst thing in the world. Well, none of that was really true. It was all my mind playing tricks on me. And then the mind altering substances didn't help that. But now I've just found this piece and kind of, it's going to be okay. I can be a little sad. I can be real sad. I can be happy. I can be super happy. But I, what it really is about for me in the end is, is getting right and getting truthful with my emotions um, instead of exaggerating everything. Because I had this really bad tendency of exaggerating everything. Everything was better or worse than it really was. And, you know, I was the worst person in the world when I came in. I can't imagine, hey, there's Buttercup behind you. <laughs> I was the worst person in the world whenever I came in but I wasn't. I had just built that up in my mind. I thought no one was as bad as me. That Well, that wasn't the truth. I sat down in a room and listened to 20 other people talk, and those 20 other people had done stuff as bad or worse than I had done. You know, it, that's, that's one of the great things about finding that community, but I just, I've gotten to this point in life where I want to live life kind of on the level. I, 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 I want to be okay, and I want to know, and I do know, that I can live life on life terms. I can, I can be at, I don't, I can be happy and I can be sad and I can be at peace at the same time. Just because I'm grieving doesn't mean I have to, I, I, I can't be at peace. Right. I can be at peace while I'm grieving, sad, whatever's going on. I can also have peace in my life. It doesn't always work that way. I'm not perfect. Sometimes I freak out. I, I have really bad days but my really bad days aren't nearly as bad as they used to be. Boy, they're a whole lot better now. I, I have some back Go ahead. going back to when you guys got sober. Well, when you first realized you had a problem, what was your first gut reaction? Was it, I need help? Was it, I need to ask a specific person for help? Or was it, what was your gut reaction when you said, Oh shit, I, I really have an addiction issue. You want to go first? You want me to go first? I think it, for me, it was being in a doctor's office, signing up for a bariatric surgery and starting reading through the literature and they start describing these tendencies that people are going through and the pitfalls that you <clears throat> fall into. And I realized immediately, like I said earlier, all the people I've helped with their underlying issues, I said, I'm, I'm, that's who I am. And it just, it was, it was, it was, for me, it was a comparison uh, about a year before I sought that surgery, um, my dad had passed away. And one of the things he said, it was so funny, and it stuck with me, and it's really what was my impetus. He said something to the effect that, that says, I'm not afraid to die. I said, just I'm afraid about what I'm going to miss. And it caused me to take a hard look at my life, my kids. I thought, the way I'm going, I'm going to miss all this. I'm going to throw it all away. And once I started working on myself, the outside, it immediately became necessary that, oh, gosh, you got to work on the inside. So it wasn't a shame issue for me because once I, like I said, once I realized, you know, and I think the doctor I went to took the stigma away from me. He says, you've got a disease. And he flat out said, I said, without help, 
you're going to be on the cycle for the rest of your life, you know? And once I realized that I needed help, it was easy for me to accept it because I wanted to change from that standpoint. Uh, I, you know, again, there's a lot of people say, well, you just took the easy way out. I don't know. I didn't, you know, it's like major surgery is that, and you got to learn to eat again, but it not, it doesn't work for everybody. You know, we talk about how 12 step programs don't work for everybody. It doesn't work for everybody. People can get the surgery, lose a lot of weight. You know, I've seen people gain it all back because they've learned to compensate. They learned to get their fix back, even with a stomach that's a third of the size. Uh, so for me, I still had to go work those steps. I still had to change my relationship with food and see it for what it was and not fall into the trap of just replacing my addiction with something else, something even more harmful in that situation. So um, I, again, I was in a different place than a lot of the people I've worked with in the past were. But for me, having the back knowledge and it, the light coming on let me fill in a lot of the blanks instantly in my head. So, so for me, um, I'll just I'll try to do the the short version of this story. I'll just uh, uh, a little bit of where I was at on the day that I decided to get some help. So, I had been on about a week long bender. Um, I had been trying to cut back for a year at least. I, I, I knew that I had a problem and I knew it was messing my life up. Um, I had really been trying to cut back on, on drinking and drugging. I was doing basically every week. I, when I got paid every other week, I would blow most of my money. You know, I'd, I'd keep just enough money to make sure I had liquor at home for the next two weeks until I got paid again. But I'd spend a bunch, everything else that I had that I could, that it, it was possibly be disposable. And then some, uh, I was spending on liquor and cocaine and hanging out and going out to bars and, and, and partying. So I've been trying to cut back and I would wake up in the mornings and, um, get ready to go to work and, and, when I woke up, I, I, I'm not drinking today. I would just tell myself, I, I'm not doing it today. I'm not going to drink. And before I left for work, I'd be filling a water bottle up with vodka, putting it in my lunchbox so that uh, I could nip off of it. I, I, and I would tell myself, I would even lie to myself. I'd say, well, I'm not going to drink that today, but that's just in case I start getting jittery. I need a little something to nip on. By nine or 10 o'clock, I'd be drinking. And, I, and I'd drink all day at work and then come home and get drink till blackout. I drank till blackout every night, the last few years of my drinking. And, um, so I'd been, I'd been trying to cut back and I couldn't. And then finally I woke up this morning, this one morning. Um, I say, I woke up, I came to, uh, on a particular morning and I'll never forget. I said, so I had a two bedroom, two bath place. And, uh, I lived by myself. My bedroom was on one end of the house and the other bedroom was on the other side of the house. And I didn't even sleep in my bedroom anymore because I had, I was so far down and I had, my room was just, I hadn't washed my sheets. I hadn't done anything. I, I mean, I was a really bad low down mess. Uh, my house was a complete wreck. Uh, so usually I either passed out on the couch or I'd mosey back to the spare bedroom at that point. Cause it was, I had messed it up quite as bad. So I'd go back to the spare bedroom and pass out. Uh, so I woke up on this, uh, on the bed in my spare bedroom, um, looked on the nightstand and 
there I had a pistol, which I carried with me all the time, even drunk as hell. It was a nine millimeter pistol and an empty bottle of vodka, a half gallon bottle of vodka. So I sat there for a while and, and I did not want to drink and I didn't have any more alcohol in the house and I didn't want to drink. And, and I literally thought I'm going to have to use this. I picked it up and had it sitting in my lap. I'm going to have to use this because I can't stop drinking and I don't know how to stop drinking. And I sat there for, it seems like a couple hours. I don't honestly know how long it was. I sat there and thought about it. And at some point talking about killing yourself, killing myself. Yeah. I sat there and seriously considered with the gun in my hand. And I had thought about suicide before because life had been bad in other, other times before, but I don't think I ever considered it to be a real true option. Like I did that day. I was very close to committing suicide that morning and I didn't. And, you know, I'm not a real spirit. I'm not a real uh, religious guy either. Um, I was raised going to church, but I got away from that. But uh, looking back on it now, I do have a spiritual life for sure. I have a higher power. Um, and the only thing that I can tell you is that when I look back on it is that there was a, some sort of spiritual intervening that happened and because I had been telling myself that I couldn't do it. And then all of a sudden I went, well, maybe I could ask for help. And that morning I got I went ahead and got on up, got a shower, went to my parents' house. My parents have been begging me to get help for a while. And I just kept telling them, I'm not that bad. I don't drink that much. I'd lie, 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 lie. It was bad enough that other people were noticing. Oh yeah. My parents had been trying to get me help for, for a while. I mean, so I always make a joke about this in meetings. I drank so much that I hid my drinking from my heavy drinking friends. I would go to the bar to drink with them and I'd have a bottle in my truck and I'd sneak out of my truck and drink some extra and then come back in to drink with them. I mean, it, it was, it was when you're hiding your alcoholism from your, from your, I don't want to call anyone else an alcoholic, but from your heavy drinking friends, uh, that's pretty good. That's, there's an indication there. It could be an indicator. So you might've had a problem. I may have had a problem. You may but, have. Uh, yeah. But, uh, Anyway, I, I went and asked my folks. I, I said, look, I'm, I can't quit. I've been trying and I can't. I'm going to need some help. And uh, I had a friend of mine, uh, my buddy Jay, who had, he had been through a few different programs. And um, I knew that he had stayed at one of the ones, that, the last one that he had went to and worked there. Uh, I'd kind of heard it through the grapevine. This was in Florida and, and he, was, he was in North Carolina. So I called him. Come to find out, um, he had left that program, left working there. And uh, anyway, I called him, and, and he was on vacation with his with um, his mother and his daughter. They were up in, like, the mountains of Pennsylvania or something. But he stopped and took time out of his day to talk to me. And uh, he wound up calling back to that place where, where he had just been and talking to his friends he still had there and get me, get me in. So that was kind of how I – how I came to go to, um, came to go to rehab in the meantime, while I was waiting to get a bed there, which it took me about a week to get in there. Uh, in the meantime, I went and actually seen my doctor for, for the first time in my life. I was honest about my drinking 
So something happened somewhere. I, I wanted to get better. I did. I don't know that I wanted to get better. I just did not want to live the way that I was living anymore. I was absolutely, I was so sick and tired of it that I was willing to kill myself. So either it had to get better or I was going to kill myself. Um, so I was just completely sick and tired with what my life had become. I knew that I was not the man that I thought that I was supposed to be. And, and, and I couldn't, I look, you know, back then I couldn't tell you what happened or how it happened. Since then, I have obviously done a lot of soul searching and self work and have a little better idea of how kind of things come together. But it was, um, it took a long time of, of me really beating myself up to finally get to that point where I asked for help. But I, I, I told my folks the truth who had been trying to get me help. My doctor, my, my primary care physician had been talking to me about it. He knew that I was drinking more than I told him. I would lie to him about how much I drank. And he had asked me about getting help. And I had told him, no, no, I don't need that. And then that morning I, I went with my mom and dad and they saw how bad I looked. And so I went to the doctor, went to my primary care physician. He immediately checked me into the hospital to detox me um, because he was worried I was going to have a seizure and all the things that come along you know, going cold turkey off of a life of alcoholism. So he checked me into the hospital. They detoxed me for a couple of days. Um, I got out. And within a couple of days after that, my parents drove me to, uh, and this is all, I was 42 at this time. So I had my parents driving me to rehab when I was 42 years old. So uh, they drove me from, from Florida up here to North Carolina and I checked into rehab and, uh, I have been sober, clean and sober since that, that day that I woke up with the gun in my hand. I have not had a drink or a mind-altering substance since then. That was July 17, 2013. So that's why the 17th is coming up here this Sunday. So I'll have nine years. So, that's amazing. It uh, sounds like it's been quite a journey for you. It, it really has. It really has. I, was, I wasn't quite homeless. Um, the only reason that I wasn't homeless is because I, I had... I had a, my house was a mobile home that I had paid off earlier. So I had this place to live. It was setting on my parents' property. So I didn't have a bill there and my mom paid my electric bill. I mean, that's all embarrassing as hell to talk to, to say, but it's the truth. Um, so I didn't really have any bills so I could spend all my money drinking and drugging. Um, you know, I go back and talk to my parents about this now. Um, and you know, my parents are pretty amazing folks. They, they, they got married in 1959. Uh, my dad was 17 and my mom was 15 when they got married. They're still together. So they're, uh, they've been together a long time, 60 some years. So, but uh, I, I talk to them about it now. And, and because of all that I've been through working the steps of recovery and talking to them about it, they, they know that they enabled me a lot. Um, they should have let me fall on my butt sooner than they did, but they love me. It's really hard to tell someone that you love to go be homeless or to go hungry, you know, and not feed them. But my sponsor used to always say, uh, it's a great quote. He said, who are you to play? Who are you to play God with somebody else's life? A lot of people have to find a rock bottom before they get help. I was one of those people. I finally found it. Luckily, even with my parents, um, doing it, but I may have found it early. I may have died if they hadn't helped me. So I don't know. There's all kinds of ways to, to look at it. You know, I, if they hadn't helped me early, maybe I would have died because maybe I still wouldn't have been ready. 
So it's easy to second guess what happened, you know, back when I can't really second guess it. It all happened the way it was supposed to happen. And here I am now hoping and praying that, 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 you know, I have a higher power that helps me say the things that will help other people, you know, that hopefully my truth can help other people. So. So, (laughs) yeah, no, that's great. Thanks for, that was very uh, detailed. So how about you? What was your recovery? Like once you finally decided I have an issue, this is a problem. How did you move forward? Oh, for you, Mark. Oh, Mark. Okay. Uh, well, like I said, I, I sought medical, medical help. Um, one of the things that's interesting in that whole world, and I've learned, you know, again, once you, because of my background and helping other people, I immediately start turning out and, and watching what's happening in this whole world. And so I immediately plugged myself into the support group that uh, this surgeon was smart enough to set up. In fact, he's one of few in the country that's doing this. I find it funny in the support group, uh, just like any 12-step meeting, and this was right in the middle of COVID, so we were all online. We were doing all this together, but that daily being able to go in and just type in, man, I'm struggling with this, I'm struggling with that, um, that was a big encouragement. But again, I've been a big uh, <clears throat> proponent of the power of community and healing for years, and so I immediately saw it. Um, I mean, I've been two two years since plus since my surgery, and I'm still in that group. You know, I still daily post. I still daily connect with people, you know, and there's people that, again, we talked about, you know, going to a 12 step group, or it's like, I've got people that have been on this journey longer than me. I got people that they're just coming in. I was just commenting on somebody who's got their surgery next month, you know, and encouraging them saying, Hey, listen, but at the end of the day, for me, it was just putting back into the practices, everything that I told people that they needed to do (laughs) and applying it back to me and doing that soul searching, you know, again, it's, it's while coming to the revelation that, oh, wait a minute, I have these addictive tendencies. Oh, and if I don't deal with the addictive tendencies, I'll, I knew I would trade one addiction for another. I, I knew it. I knew what happened. I said, so I've got to change this. I don't want to, I don't want to swap this for alcoholism. I don't want to swap this for drug use, you know, because if there's that empty spot in my heart, something I'm trying to fill, I got to figure out why, you know? And so part of walking out that journey, doing the exercises, uh, uh, coming into a new relationship with food and understanding all that, you know, and then along the way, at the same time that was happening, I meet this guy and we start this conversation about my sober truth. He tells me his dream. I'm kind of in the industry and, and we're just chatting. But the more I got steeped in 12 step culture, I realized I'd literally had been doing so much of this for years anyways. I just needed to really apply it to myself. And so um, Sean was probably my one uh, in-person support person for two (laughs) years. And again, we we make the joke that says, you know, the underlying causes of addiction are are similar. It doesn't matter what your drug of choice is. And so the former alcoholic could help the former fat guy deal with this. Because the truth, that truth was universal. And so as we started working on me and those, those for me, uh, as the, as the dots connected and the light bulbs came on, I realized, Oh, wait a minute. And then I started seeing my fellow peers in, in our support groups, their struggle points. And it was easy for me to say, Hey, what's going, what's, what's the underlying cause? You know, are you going back to stress eating? And they said, Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, why, what, what's the stressor? And then again, we were able to start seeing the advice from the 12 step community over here in the weight loss world. And we all needed each other. 
we all needed that thing. And so for me, that recovery, walking it out and being of service to my fellow man for me went hand in hand. You know, we, we've talked about this in a lot of our episodes. You know, if you're having a struggle that they get out of your own self and go serve someone else, that's, that's a coping mechanism for me probably, but it also keeps me, my mind focused in that correct place. Um, hope that makes sense. You know, again, my journey has been real different than a lot of folks that are, that are probably watching, but it was that revelation. And again, I love what you guys talk about. You, you're, you're not, you don't highlight one drug of choice. It's just, you're highlighting the fact that addiction exists. Yeah. We got to deal with it as a, as a addiction group. Is addiction it, it is, you know, and again, if it's even in the counseling <clears throat> world, we could get people free from stuff, but we would always see this problem. And, and we have so much more coming out in the next six months about belief systems and everything else, what happens. And, you know, we start making external changes and a lot of us can bare knuckle it, you know, and I had done that with weight so, loss for, you know, we're raised to be a tough, tough yeah, guy. Exactly. You know? I could do it. I did it for push that years. stuff down and put power through. <laughs> yeah. It, it works until it doesn't. <laughs> yeah. And we could all stay on track until a crisis point comes up right. and what's in here. It's like mental muscle memory. And we immediately, when the crisis hits, we're not thinking, we're just diving in and reacting to the situation. And we, you know, and if our, if our default setting is, I want to find comfort in the midst of this crap storm, you're going to find it. And, 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 and if you haven't been doing the inside work, you haven't been changing how this process is the trauma, how this process is life. We just walk back into it. So for me, having had that counseling background, being hit with the concept this is your tendencies and it's the light bulbs on it. And I knew it that I knew it. I go, I got to change this. I immediately knew how to go back to work. And so I immediately went back. I, you know, uh, uh, you know, again, having grown to church, there's a biblical concept for this. They call it renewing your mind, but there's a lot of doctors that have been talking about this for the last few years is so that you got to change the pathways you burned into your brain and you can do it. You know, it's, it's just a process. Uh, and, and it's part of, for me, it was part of the inner work that I had to do. And uh, am I 100% cured? Nope. But <clears throat> I, I, I'm taking time to pause when I see my buttons getting pushed before I pick up a fork. <laughs> you know? and, and I, you know, there's been, you know, one of the things I tell people that, are, you know, come to me for help with weight loss. I said, I just asked the question, why are you putting that in your mouth? Are you hungry? And if you stop and think it, they'd say, well, no, not really. I'm upset. I said, then you, just answered, you just answered your question, <laughs> you know, yeah. you're not eating it for the right reasons. And so the same thing, again, we talk about all of our addictions were coping mechanisms. And so we can change the external behavior, but if we don't change the coping mechanism and learn new ways to deal with our mess, we're going to fall back into an addiction. It's going to happen. Yeah. You know, we've all seen it. I think, and we were talking about that yesterday as we were working between episodes and, and, and these, these points at which people get breakthroughs in time, claim, and then fall off the wagon. And you go, what, what goes on? You know, and we're searching that. So what's, how, do we, how do we help our fellows that have had great breakthroughs stay and, you know, and, and encourage them? How do we become that group? And I'm saying this as we're all listening because we're all interconnected with it. How do we do that thing we're all called to do and support each other? And that's what we're trying to learn right now. You know? And that's why we like connecting with folks like you. You know, it, it's... I look back and we've kind of already broached this subject a little bit and he just brought it up again, but as a, as a person who's abstinent with my drugs of choice, you know, with, with mind altering substances, um, I look at, at, at people who have eating addictions or some of the other, other addictions possibly where 
you can't go cold turkey and you can't be abstinent. And it just, how in the world, I can't even, I can't imagine how, how I would do this if for some reason I had to have a little alcohol some every day, right. how, no, how would I beat this? Because for me, it, 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 it has, I, I don't even, I, I can't comprehend how I would deal with that type of addiction where, well, and it, it's like people who are, are very sick or have very bad pain or whatever. And they're trying to live with it and cope with their pain. So they have to take some, just to live life, they have to take painkillers or whatever. And they can't, literally can't be completely abstinent. Man, I I just, I think it's amazing if they can keep their lines, their lives in line while doing that, because I I don't know. I, I don't, I don't know that I could do that. And and not be able to abstain, you know, yeah. if that makes any sense. It for me, I need to be away from all of that. I, I I don't want to be anywhere near the things that that um and I and I don't get me wrong, I do occasionally, you know, I can go to a restaurant where they serve alcohol. I can I can do any of that kind of stuff. Um it, it's not that big a deal, but I can't imagine having to do it every day, I guess is something something that I'm addicted to and I still have to do it every day that that just blows my mind that people can do that and, and make some sense out of it yeah i just run away from the ben and jerry's aisle <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, i guess i mean i was never as big as you but i have been you know a good 75 pounds overweight 80 pounds yeah. overweight and even with that that's you start huffing and puffing walking upstairs and things like that yeah yeah and so let's switch over real quick let's talk about you guys and what you're doing Thanks. Uh, so again, as we started coming together, we, we were exploring what to do with this. And early on, the name My Sober Truth, all one word came up because again, we're just sharing our stories. That's it. Uh, we started a podcast format about a year and a half ago, and we kept going, there's more we can do. There's more we can do. And we just, we, we, we stopped the podcast after about 20 or so episodes. Not that we were discouraged with it. We're thinking, we're close, but we're not on it. And then for lack of a better word, we ran across we all know about this book, but, you know, we're doing our daily readings. And, and, and so we run across this classic book. Okay. And we realize, well, let's just talk about this and how it's impacting our life. And so what happens, our latest uh, content that we create is a, just a daily running commentary to uh, the daily reflection and just putting our spin on it. How does it, how does it, you know, how does this relate to us? How does walking out the steps relate to us? And, you know, we, we say that we're here for a little daily encouragement and support helping folks in the journey our goal i think what we kind of talked talked about is you know have it there in the mornings ready for people so if you need if if on your trip to work you need a little six minute encouraging video eight minute encouraging video or whatever uh you can you can pop it on listen to it on your way to work or you can you can listen to it wherever and it's just something short and uh and, and sweet and and you know, hopefully it's helping some people out. Uh, you know, that, that's the big thing. We just, we just, we didn't know what to do. And we kind of, we kind of just decided to grab that and run with it. And now we're committed to it. We're going to, uh, we're going to at least complete the year. We're going to do a year's worth and it's going to stay out all the time. Uh, but that goes right along with our you know, compulsive completionist nature. Right. We have to finish. We can't help ourselves. Go big or go home and don't do it at all. I'm no, the but, same way. Go big or go home. That's right. <laughs> but that's kind of the beginning. Uh, 
we, we've chatted about doing the same thing with the NA Daily Reflection. But at the same time, uh, and I come from a background of creating uh, self-help e-courses, uh, self-improvement e-courses. And so we're working on really kind of our first course and our first book uh, around shifting mindsets. Uh, because again, it's, I, I know the breakthroughs I've had in life have been doing that. And we want to bring some of that uh, wisdom that I've seen from other cultures and other groups back to this group, um, just to not to rewrite the books, just to give folks another tool to put in their toolbox, you know, um, how we see it, basically, you, know, you know, you know, it's like what you're doing. This is how I see it. This is what's working for us. And right. if this works for us. You know, it might work for someone else. And if it works for one other person, then this effort's worth it, you know, and, you know, we've been blessed to get some feedback. Uh, one of the things we always do, we also, we always po- open with a question and close with a question, because again, we don't want it just to be us two talking heads on, uh, on the blog. Uh, we we want to see what, what folks are doing. You know, the um, one thing we're doing differently than you're, you're doing some other folks that we've connected are doing is, is we don't feel the need to create community. We just want to support communities that exist. Right. Um, I mean, maybe we get there one day, but as yeah. of right now, we're happy supporting you and you guys' community. You know, yeah, and I, and we, we have some other guys that we've worked with that have some other online communities, and we're trying to help support them, you know, as best we can as well. And, uh, you yeah. know, it's, and, and you know, kind of like what you're talking about, we've got, you know, we have these things we're working towards, these books we're working towards. It, it's, um, you know, a lot of kind of my thought process in, in going into, like the direction of the, of the, the teaching um, that, that we're trying to get to is kind of, I had a, I, I guess I came into a problem. Um, I didn't drink or drug over it, but you, for me, I kind of got into that, um, had a year or two in and people hear people calling it the pink cloud. I had been on this pink cloud, things were going great. And then I kind of started to come off of that pink cloud and I started wondering what was next. How do, how do I apply this? You know, I, I haven't drank in two years. I haven't drugged in two years. I have a job. I have a car. You know, I, I got an apartment. I, so life is coming back to me. I've, I've, I've kind of taken this little bite back of life. What do I do now? Mm-hmm. You know, how, how do I, in, in terms of gamer, how do I level up? Yeah. How, how do I get to the next place that I want to go? And I was hungry for more. Um, I, I, I saw what I could do with the help of a, of, of, of a program and a fellowship and, and the tools that I had done, I kind of saw a little piece of where I thought, what I thought I could do and where I thought I could go. And, and I wanted to, I wanted to do more. And so I started looking for ways of, of doing that. And for me, it's always been about if I'm in a bad place, it's, I have a disease of the mind. It's in my mind. I need a mindset change. I need to change something going on in my head um, to kind of work my way through this problem. And like, like Mark was just saying, that's, that's what this, this book we're in, in course we're coming out with. That's, that's what it deals with. You know, it's kind of a deeper dive into that change your mind, change your mindset and, and keep moving forward in life. So yeah, I mean, <clears throat> the answer is we said it earlier. What's next? What's next? What's how do you next? how do you take how do you take this win that you have in getting clean and apply it to those other areas of your life? Right. You know, and again, it's that revelation that you know this program, whatever program that you work, whatever that helps you get this win in life. 
will probably help you get other wins in life if you learn how to adapt it. Right. You know, and again, exactly. it's like, you know, what's the, the joke we say with the 12 steps, you get to uh, step 12 and it's basically rinse and repeat, do this again, you know, and it, it's, it, this is a lifestyle, not just a, a destination or vacation you do with your mind. And again, it's speaking to the fatigue of living a new lifestyle. And I think part of it, where the pink cloud lifts and everything else, and people are asking, well, what's next? There's got to be more. And I can see that without a mind- mindset shift, that people get tired of just doing external behavior modifications, because at some point it feels pointless. And so we keep going back to the success we had in counseling is not when people would stop doing the behavior, but when that the underlying belief system that drove the behavior shifted and changed. When right. that changed, their whole life changed. Yep. And then when I start reading these 12 step uh, over the last two years, I go, oh, wait a minute. We're so close. But the, I think some of the revelation we want to bring forth is just some practical ways to uh, uh, supercharge that rewiring your mind. There's been so much great science that's come over the last 10 years that we've seen uh, in practice around the world that just changes. I, and I tell people this all the time, and I use this example all the time when we talk about changing your mindset. You know, at some point, everybody had to learn times tables in schools. And the first time you learn times tables, you're at two times two. You're going two times two. I mean, you're doing this. And your mind, you're going one, two, three, four. But between practicing, reciting, drills, all these things that you do, there comes a point that that concept gets so wide in your brain. When you get the first two out, your mind's already at four. And that's how we learn as people. That's just how our minds work for the most part. And it doesn't stop as we get older. We just get more entrenched. And again, as we start shifting mindsets, we shift mindsets away from those entrenched pathways. And we get the opportunity to learn new habits internally that affect our external actual behaviors. And so again, we're looking forward to sharing a lot of that on our daily stuff. We sprinkle a little bit that in, but again, it's just an encouragement to stay on the journey, stay on the journey. It gets better. Um, and to be blind, it kind of helps us because it keeps us on the journey and keeps us That's focused. Right. You know, you know we, when people thank us, we say, yeah, well, no, thank you for number one, listening. But number two, it gives us the opportunity to know that at least we're helping somebody, you know what I'm saying? That's, that's helping us. I mean, exactly. This, yeah. this helps us. Re- recovery is such a ingrained part of my life at this point that, um, I, I mean, I literally, I, I have a regular job, uh, but with someone every day, I'm talking about recovery, yeah. someone, somewhere, whether it's him, whether it's somebody else in the recovery community. Um, I recover out loud at work as well. So people that I work with, all know that I'm, I'm part of, I'm, I'm in and, and around recovery. So people will come and talk to me there. Or, you know, they, they, it just opens up doors for people to be able to share with you things they may not have been able to share Absolutely. with you before. So um, I, I try to recover out loud in all of my life. And I also try to make sure that I let everybody know that as I recover out loud, I also make mistakes out loud. <laughs> So don't hold recovery responsible yeah. for my mistakes. That's me messing up, <laughs> you know? So it's a, I don't know, man. It's, it's, I just feel like um, we, we were talking about it a little earlier with you. I can't remember if it was before we started recording or not, but it was, I feel like as long as I keep doing, you know, use that little cliche quote, if I keep doing the next right thing, right things keep happening Absolutely. to me. Absolutely. And, yeah. you know, it, it, whether you think it's God, higher power, 
whether you think it's karma, whether you think it's just how the universe works and how the universe is wired, whatever your thoughts on the process are, it works. I mean, I I don't think anyone who's ever lived in it doesn't believe that it works. And I, and I also know that the opposite is true. When I start getting down, the further down that I get, the further down that I get, you know, when, when, and if I don't check myself, I can let myself keep going down into this abyss. But luckily I've kind of been given these tools and taught these things and figured some things out for myself and um, have a relationship with a higher power that, that I can turn to. I have a relationship with good friends who are kind of of the same mindset. We're all trying to, we're all in this together, trying to work through it. So I'm able to check myself kind of before I fall off that ledge, you know, and kind of bring myself back to, I, I literally walked in here. I was off yesterday and today I walked into the studio yesterday within two minutes of talking to this guy. He looked at me and goes, cause we were going to record. We were all set to record some episodes for my sober truth yesterday. Within two minutes of talking to this guy, he looks at me and goes, let's go have a cigar before we start recording. And I went, okay. He goes, your mind's not in this yet. Let's go smoke a cigar. Let's talk for an hour and then we'll come back and record. And I went, and then literally while we're talking, we're in the middle of a conversation and I don't remember what I said, but all I said something and I went, all right, I'm ready to go record now. <laughs> it just took that little talking to my buddy and yeah. kind of getting, getting my life back to realizing, you know what? I had a stressful weekend. I worked all weekend, had a stressful weekend at work, but you know what? that's, I don't have to, I don't have to let that ruin my next two days off. Absolutely. Yeah. I can, I can move past that and move on and start doing the things that do bring me joy, which is doing this, talking to you, you know, talking about this, these things that help my life. I, I love it. It, it, it. it does bring me joy. So. And, and the irony is I walked in this morning <laughs> and pretty much just had the same response. Right. Goes, Are you okay? <laughs> I said, I had a stressful day. When that's I why the fellowship, okay. that's okay. why the fellowship's so important, you know? Exactly. <laughs> It's exactly. It's Absolutely. It. And we started talking about this and then we, it kind of got his mind out of it. And we started both kind of going, and we were really excited to do this interview with you. And we're like, all right, let's, let's get ready to do this, you know? And, you know, we're walking around putting our shirts on and getting our lights ready and everything. And, and, uh, next thing I know, he's over here smiling. Well, you know, and again, so, it's, you said it, it's, you know, the old way that we used to handle things. And right. I, and I'm saying wait, because I think when I say this, a lot of people go, yeah. You do a line of chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> God, I could, God, I could used to do a line of chocolate chip cookies. You guys just don't even, I, I could do two or three, but that's it. I'm just saying, you know, if I was going to go, I was going to go for it. But um, what I was going to say is the old way we used to handle things is we just isolate. Yeah. These things we would do in secret. We would, st- I mean, you said it earlier, we'd stop it, but that doesn't solve the problem. And again, part of learning to deal with this is, Okay, I've got to own up when 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 it's not okay, it's okay that it's not okay. You know, and what do we say all the time? A problem shared is a problem half. And so why do I want to carry this burden by myself? Right. And I go, these are it. things that I'm trying to learn and uh, undo the bad program. Well, you, you know, my mom used to call it the poor potty training. It's not poor potty training, it's just how that generation was. Yeah. I mean, heck, we had, all they knew. We had two generations of men, three generations of men that came back from the war in 1900s. If you think about this one with severe shell shock, but they are PTSD and they never talked about it. Yep. You know, I think, you know, and it was, and those that, are the guys who raised us, you know, and, and so, again, and you just stuff that down. We don't talk about this. Yep. And, but we're realizing now says so <laughs> to really be tough, to really be strong, to really be a man, you need to be honest. 
You need to throw that stuff out there. You need to show the world it's okay to be broken. I think the first time I apologized to my kids, I think they almost lost their crap because they're like, what? You know, what? what, what? But I'm thinking, no, I, if I'm wrong, let's be wrong. If, yeah. you know, if something's wrong, let's fix it. You know, And it's like the serenity prayer. I know that this is a problem that can be changed and it's within my power and my higher power's power to help me change it. And let's do it. If it's just something I need to put up with or accept and walk away from, then let's do it. It's learning all these lessons yeah. that we keep learning in the other, you know, in the other side of addiction and keep applying them. So, yeah. 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 And getting towards the end here, I just wanted to ask you guys each one last question. Go for it. Do you have any advice for people watching and listening? I'll, I'll go first. Go ahead. Don't look at it. And I can say for myself, you know, for, for me, my challenge for years is I want to lose hundred pounds. And, you know, I could do that first 30 pounds. And it was like, all of a sudden, my eyes saw the mountain of what I wanted to achieve. And it discouraged me. But when my mind got off of that, and I started looking at, well, I'm just going to, I stopped worrying about that result. And I stopped, started focusing on what do I need to do for today? Okay, I got to the end of this day, I did what I was supposed to do. And I do it tomorrow. And I do it tomorrow. This thing, this one day at a time, one step at a time, don't, don't negate it, because you're, it, it, it works, number one, but don't get so lost on that grand vision that you miss the journey along the way and the lessons that you're going to learn, because those are the things that will change your life and give you the success you need to get, eventually get to that goal. You know, I, I, use, I use an example all the time about playing a game. You know, I'm a little bit of a gamer, not an avid gamer, but I'm playing this game that I've been playing for six months, and I, I, I realized the other day I'm within the top 200 in the world playing this game, and I realized I'm not that good. But what I've done is I played it 30 minutes every day. I was just consistent, you know? And so part of being clean and walking this lifestyle, this lifestyle out for a lifetime is simple commitment and one little step at a time, not worrying about that. Because again, having that need to be a completionist, if the goal seems overwhelming, we say, screw it. That's a natural tendency. So focus on the, focus on the little things right in front of you and be faithful to it. Long way to say that. I'll be a little, I'll be a little quicker than that. Um, if you need help, find a program, Absolutely. find something that you can relate with, uh, find some, find a group of people who have done what you want to do and, and take their advice, do the things that, that these programs that are known to help people do those things, yep. give it a shot, give it a try. I mean, my, my old sponsor used to always say, he knows what I'm going to say. That's why he's laughing. He used to always say, give us 90 days. If you don't like what you got, we'll, glad, we'll gladly refund your misery. <laughs> so I love it. You, you know, know it, it's just, you don't have to keep suffering in yeah. silence. Absolutely. Find someone, find a place, find, find some people, find a program. Uh, if you don't like what I'm saying, there's somebody out there Absolutely. who's saying stuff you do like. Find some people that you relate with and get help somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Because it's a beautiful world out here and, and it's, it's amazing. And, and I want everybody to, I, I hope everybody has a great yeah. life. So, I mean, that, that's, that's the biggest thing for me. Just uh, get help somewhere. Yeah. I, I, I would add just one thing is no matter where you're at in life, when you're listening, just, just listen to this words. You were created for more. You weren't meant for this addiction. Right. And there's help out there to get you to where you need to be. Yep. And like you said, find it. Keep your eyes open. 
run after that, search for that just as diligently as you search for your drug of choice and you'll find it. Oh, and one more thing. You can see it back here, mysobertruth.com. You can check us yeah, out. Yeah, no, that was the last thing I was going to do. Oh, okay. Um, all, it's all you right now. Give us your sales pitch. What's up with your sober truth? I want to know all about it. Okay, so right now, check us out on our website, mysobertruth.com and subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're just trying to build a following out there. Uh, that's where our daily podcast lives out there. It's uh, YouTube front slash my sober truth, all one word. Um, and then comment on stuff. Feed, yeah. You feed us back. You know, we kind of know what we know, but as we get feedback from the folks that are listening to us, we adjust and we adapt and we want to know what helps folks uh, because we're just here to serve the community. Yeah. If you, if you like what we're doing, but you want to hear something else that, that you haven't heard from us so us. far, shoot us a, shoot us an email, shoot us a, uh, leave us a comment on something. We read all of that stuff. So um, just let us know what you want to hear and, and we'll talk about it. I mean, uh, we, we may have some experience about it. We may not. If I don't have any experience with it, I'll go out and find somebody yeah. and bring them on the show and we'll figure that out. We'll sit down and talk about it. Yeah, so. that's that's the great thing about this community. Right. Someone has had the experience. Someone's had the And the experience. more we come together like this and cross-pollinate groups, the better you know, it's like, it's that old adage of rising, the, the rising water brings up all ships. Let's bring everybody out yeah. in this one. And, uh, and I'll also just want to say, man, I've read through a lot of your stuff, Jim. It's and, good and, stuff. Uh, this, the program that you're, you're doing, I mean, it's, it's great stuff, man. I, I really appreciate what you're doing. And, uh, you know, I, I, your group is thriving. You, you, you're obviously doing some good things and, and I mean, it all just looks great. And we appreciate what you're doing. Yeah. Thank you very much. It really means a lot. Yeah, man. So that was www.youtube.com forward slash my sober truth. Right. right. And then the website is just my sober truth.com. And we are on Facebook too. And it's Facebook just, you can well, find my it. Sober everybody's truth. my sober truth. And uh, we'll probably get on the other socials after a while. We've been reserving them up, but uh we both work full time, and so we're doing. <laughs> we're doing. What Understood we're doing me too. It's a pain. Well, <laughs> you we, know th- this thing that we're doing now, this this daily podcast, it's a huge undertaking, as you well know, trying to put something out every day. Yeah. Even though yeah. it's a short little video, you have to record them. Yep. It takes time. We have to, you know, we do a little writing to try and figure out what we're going to say, what our thoughts were, get that down. So it's a big undertaking, and. Um, we're, we're really proud of what we're doing, but, uh, you know, it, it, we're trying to find time to do this other stuff as well. You know, we're trying to get this book written, um, you know, and then we, as I, it probably happens to you as well. A lot of the people that I talk to, they're kind of doing this sort of stuff while you're, while you're in the middle of doing something that you've come up with, mm-hmm another idea pops in your head. No, I want to run off down this rabbit trail a little while. No, no, I got to, okay, come on back. Let me, let me work on this thing that I'm working on. Reel, it in. Reel myself back yeah. in here. So it's, um, you know, I, I, I can't wait to see where all this goes and uh, uh, recover out loud, man. If you're out there and you're doing good, recover out loud and help people as best you can to not suffer in silence. I love yeah. that saying. I've seen it recently and it just really, really hits my heart every time I see it and hear it. That's great. And I think you guys are doing good things and I think it's going to help a lot of people. And I think you're heading in the right direction. Thanks. appreciate that. Thank you, Jim. So yeah, we really appreciate everything you do. So it seems like a good place to wrap it up. I guess my last, last question is, do you have anything you want to add? Anything you think we uh, didn't touch upon? Um, for me? No. I mean, I, I'm, 
I, I appreciate your questions. And, uh, you know, for, <laughs> for a lot of us uh, addicts, I'm usually not for a loss of words. I usually think of something to say. <laughs> so, uh, but with that, I just, like I, I kind of already added there, just uh, um, stay close to your groups, yeah. find a group, stay close to your groups, recover out loud, talk to other people and uh, get help, man. I, I couldn't say it better. I, absolutely. You know, uh, connect, stay connected, keep connecting, find yeah. your people because your tribe will help keep you clean. Absolutely. Absolutely. Good, good way to say it. So let's wrap this up. So everybody watching and listening, if you like what you saw and heard, go below and give us a like. Also subscribe and you'll see when we upload new videos. Yep. You can check us out on www.addicts-anonymous.com. You'll see we have plenty of resources as well as a lot of approved literature. We have a bunch of articles that you can read on all different topics. And you can also check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Reddit, Instagram, and TikTok. So that's all I have for today. I hope you enjoyed what you saw and heard. And until next time.